to death that nefesh that's wrong about literally everything. I'm ready to cut loose myself. <laughs> the Christian experience has to be sacrificed. Mm -hmm. You have to have that soldier attitude. I don't care what they think. I'm here to obey the apostolic commandment. I want to fulfill God's will for my life. Which is the favor that Jesus had from his father by being perfect. Hey, hey, welcome everybody. How's everybody doing? Welcome to, to RLM TV. Bless you guys. A lot of glory today. We pray that the Holy Ghost is brooding over you and causing new things of heaven to come forth through your spirit, your soul, in Jesus' name. Praise God. Amen. How are you doing, Rebecca? Really nice. Had a great <laughs> day in the Bible spa med tent of the Lord, and it was just a really fantastic time, so I feel great. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. Amen. The healing angels doing the work. Refreshing our souls reminds me of when Jesus was finishing his 40-day fast. The angels had to come and minister to him. Yeah, he needed it. <laughs> we need it all the time. They help us receive salvation. It says in Hebrews that angels are ministering spirits or ministering angels sent to help us inherit healing, which is salvation, healing in every part of our soul. And the word of God is a healer. He sent forth his word and healed them. He restored their souls. It is written. He sends forth his word and heals us. We need the healing word of Jesus Christ sent forth into our hearts to go right, not just into our hearts, but into our eyes as well. Every area of the soul presented fresh and new tonight to the word of God. So how do we offer our lives as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him? We offer our souls to the Word. <laughs> Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is the Torah of Rabbi Abba Father. Truth, anyhow, as it's written, the heavenly Jerusalem comes down as a scroll. What scroll? The scroll of Jesus, the Word of God, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Revelation 19. So the living Word is coming down and it's going into our senses. The word, the daily bread, is the hanging of the Torah scrolls of the heavenly Jerusalem. It's the hanging of the word of God inside our minds. Just like the, the ancient rabbis would put the scriptures on their foreheads. They'd hang them on their garments. They'd hang them on their tassels. They'd have phylacteries. They'd have the teflon. And they'd have the scriptures physically hung head to toes. Okay? That represents in the new covenant, Jesus Christ, the word going into us and being hung on the inner man so that the outer man is glorified. So we're no longer in types and shadows. We're no longer practicing religion. We're no longer practicing the Old Testament of just formulas and the Levitical codes. We're practicing the realities of what they symbolized. They symbolize the real word of God that made the heavens and the earth coming into the soul, coming into the spirit. And that's what the blood of Jesus Christ purchased for us. Understand this. The reason why Jesus Christ died on the cross was that God could take up residency inside our bodies. Not just on the outside like the Old Testament, but now on the inside, inside the mind, inside the eyes, inside the ears inside our hearts, inside our spiritual stomach, inside our bones and marrow. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God goes into the bone marrow, the place where blood is produced in the human body, the temple of the Holy Spirit. What's the temple of the new covenant? Is it a building made by human hands? Is it the church on the corner? We can congregate anywhere, guys. No, the Bible says the building and the temple of the new covenant, 1 Corinthians 6.19, is our human bodies, our human flesh. Okay, This is holy human flesh that Jesus Christ wants to take up residency in by hanging his word everywhere. As the, the Hebrew author writes, he has written his law upon our hearts and upon our minds. Today, let the fresh 
Word of God, the fresh manna from heaven, the bread that's come down, let it be written into your senses, into your ears, having ears to hear what the Spirit says to the churches, because he's saying something today so great, the Bible says there's a chance you might not even believe it. I don't have faith for unbelief, but the Bible says that it's so great that you wouldn't believe it even if you're told. So let's challenge God and really begin to believe what we're told from the power of the Holy Spirit, from the realms of His glory, in His presence with the angels, the ministering spirits. Let Him be loosed upon you tonight to have an encounter in the glory of God so that the Word can change you. Now your words are your DNA. A lot of people don't realize that the programming they have as human beings is simply a conglomerate of words. What your parents passed down to you, that's your words, that's your language, that's your culture, that's your environment, that's your atmosphere, that's your house, that's your marketplace, that's your priesthood, that's your Christianity, that's your prayer, that's your belief systems, that's how you read the Bible, that's how you interpret God. We interpret God through our words. Therefore, we're progressively consecrated as our words are changed by allowing His Word to come in. Okay, His Word is the law. He's the lawgiver on Mount Zion. That law, as it's written in Hebrews, He writes His law now on our hearts and minds. That's Jesus Christ, the law of the Father. Jesus Christ is the law of the Father. Forget this greasy grace stuff out here, guys, that says there's no law. What is the man of lawlessness in 1 John? Remember this verse? 1 John three times. What's the man without law? The Antichrist. We need Jesus as our law. The protocol of what to do, think, and say, and how to behave and act all the time, which is the law, is Jesus Christ himself. So him who the Son sets free is free indeed if they're in the law and obedient to the law of Jesus. What did Jesus Christ say? You only love me if you obey my laws. That's what it says. Obey my commandments. You say you love me. You say you love Jesus. You say you're a Christian, right? He says, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, speaking in the red letters, that's only true if you obey my law. What is his law? It is the person of the Holy Ghost and all of our actions, thoughts, and ways that please him. It is Enoch who walked with God and gained a testimony, Hebrews 11, that he pleased God, therefore God translated him. So what is the law of Jesus Christ? Pleasing his spirit with all your thought life, with all your eyes, with all your ears, with all your time, with all your money, with all your business, with every aspect of your life. 24 7, 365 as temples of the pleasing of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so the apostle asks, Who's in you? Who are you pleasing? When the Bible says, Who is in you? It's asking you, What are you pleasing and considering in your thoughts? What are you giving your attention to? What's important to you? Is your spouse more important than pleasing the Holy Spirit or your parents? more important than pleasing the Holy Spirit? Is your boss at work more important? The peer pressure in the marketplace, uh, all the peer pressure in society and the cultural norms of whatever age group you're in, are you giving into that? Are you pleasing the Holy Spirit? Remember, the fear of the Lord, which means the pleasing of the Lord, is the beginning of wisdom. That means you consider Him first. That's what it means when the Bible says, have no other gods before me. Have nothing besides me. It means I have your attention. Yadevave, the Lord Jesus Christ, our God, the Messiah, maker of heaven and earth, has our attention in all things. Therefore, in all things we do them, what does the Bible say? Unto the Lord and not towards human beings. That's what corrects all of our attitude, our feelings, our emotions, our thought life, our ways, our response to things. We're no longer offended out of the selfish nature. We're now selfless because we're crucifying progressively all of our identity for Him to be our identity. As it's written, all my fountains are in God. 
That means all my wisdom, my identity, my feelings, my emotions, how I react to other human beings, how I interact with apostles and prophets and leaders and ministers, how my past and my memories affect me today. Guess, guess what? The fountain of the Lamb of God corrects that so that all of my fountains are in Him today, and I have no identity with any other thing in the world except Jesus Christ and Him crucified to death. Guys, that's what it means to be free. That's what it means when Scripture says, Him who the Son sets free is free indeed because their entire past, present, and future is hidden with God in Christ. I pray for all of you at the sound of my voice tonight to be hidden with Yadevave in the name of Jesus Christ. Therefore, you have a new identity in Christ. You have a new way of reacting to people. It's not out of offense or selfishness or self-preservation. It's out of the lamb that was slain. So you can appropriate your behavior according to his holiness and according to his goodness and according to his person and not a human reaction, not an animal defense mechanism, not an animal soul, but the mind of Christ. All transformation, the Bible says, Romans 12, to be constantly transfigured by the renewing of your mind, is going out of the animal soul, the beast soul, the earthly, unspiritual soul, the instinctual, reasonable soul of the natural realm into the glory realm soul of the mind of Christ, that emerald rainbow soul of Jesus Christ in Revelation chapters 4 and 5, you see the Lamb of God, that soul, that light, that rainbow, that emerald glory, that thought life of the perfect Messiah, Jesus Christ, becomes your reaction to everything. As it's written, have the same attitude that's in Jesus Christ also in you. Amen. Me too. Amen. Amen. That's so good. And there's a lot of glory on the paying attention, what you pay attention to, right? When you're going throughout your day, what is it that you're paying attention to? Because what you give your attention to is going to largely affect your intention. And so what are we talking about a lot this week? The purification of your intention, your will, your keter, right? It's the healing of the crown over your mind so that you can wear a crown of stars and not the crown of thorns, which is you know, what we deserve as a fallen human race. But thanks to God and his great compassionate, uh, merciful nature, he has poured out the blood of his son Jesus so that we can wear a crown of stars, that we can have the grace that we don't deserve, and that we can learn to ascend in the sapphire stones for the merit of righteousness. It's the path of the wise, right? the, rise that will, the wise that will shine, the righteous that will shine, shining like the firmament, shining like the stars in the heavens. So when you think of paying attention, don't think of third grade classroom teacher yelling at you, but think about where you're at in your mind through a daily basis. Sometimes we go to work and we do the same things over again. We go into what's called autopilot mode, right? That is the walking dead, essentially. There's no, not a lot going on in the mind. It's just zoning out. But in your mind, in your thoughts, in your attention, where are you in your thoughts? And so that's so important. And uh, let's look at 2 Peter 1.19. All of this makes us even more certain that what the prophets said is true. So you should pay close attention to their message as you would to a lamp shining in some dark place. You must keep on paying attention until daylight comes and the morning star rises in your heart. So you can literally pay attention until daylight comes and morning star rises in your hearts. So you should pay close attention to their message, to this message, as you would to a lamp shining in some dark place. And again on attention, Hebrews 2 verse 1, for this reason, we must pay attention all the more to what we have heard what we've already learned, so that we'll, we will not drift away. That's Hebrews 2.1. Let's read that again. You can mark this down. Uh, so you can look it up later. This is in the CSB 
version. There's a lot of versions you can download. Uh, the Life Bible app is great. A lot of versions you can go and compare and read a verse in many different translations to get the heart and the understanding of the verse. So this says, for this reason, we must pay attention all the more to what we have heard so that we will not drift away. Drifting away from what? Drifting away from the faith. So oftentimes it's not necessarily so much your need to go and find out something new. Revelation comes. Well, how does revelation come? Most of the time, it's when you pay all the more attention to what you've already been taught by the prophets, by the apostles, what you've already read in the word of God. You go and pay attention. Uh, For me, I have my notes. If I feel like I'm drifting, what do I do? Go back to the most recent things that God spoke and read it again. Pay attention because in the detail... In the Holy Ghost highlights of what God has been speaking to you. Sometimes it's an instruction for one day, but usually that's an instruction for a whole season. Oftentimes people want a word from the Lord. They want a word from an apostle. They want a word from a prophet. You know, tell me, uh, you know, what's God saying over my life? And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing, right? To receive a word over your life, that's good. But what you find is... It's very common in this generation for people to want to go to multiple places, to multiple people, and get a personal word of instruction, and then just to keep asking others for what God is speaking over their life. Now, that can be very unhealthy. That's extremely unhealthy because what you've done is you've made the basis of your relationship and understanding of what God wants to do in your life going somewhere and seeking out other people to tell you what God is speaking of your life. Where is the connection to Shekinah? Where is the relationship with God? Where are those modes and streams of methods of communication? Oftentimes, God will have many methods of communication with you. You should never have just one. You should never have just one or two. Because if your main mode of communication with God is waiting until he kind of, you know, you get, we, we talk about the proverbial angelic two by four to the back of the head because we didn't listen, you know, to the whisper. You know, God is merciful, compassionate, and kind, but he'll often speak gently in a whisper first. Highlights, oh, that's nice. And if we don't have a deep respect for God, if we don't respect him as our authority, oftentimes the only other choice is to learn the hard way or the harder way. It gets progressively and progressively more difficult to receive that message. More and more, I will say intensity. There's more intensity. Like it, the love gets a little tougher and tougher the more we defer to our own way and not God's way. What does that mean? Oftentimes there'll be, you're in the word of God. There's the Holy Ghost highlight. It's an instruction. It's a conviction. It's call and action to change the behavior, the thought pattern, the reasoning. Change the course, the direction of your life because this mouth, this thing, the tongue, it's steering your life. So if this thing is going out of control and God knows where, God literally knows where you're steering yourself and it's not good, he's going to say, hey, let's not, let's not go there, right? Let's, let's not speak that way because that's the rudder. Now, usually if someone is um, having an issue like that, Most of the time, probably, I would say 90% of the time, probably more like 99%, they're not going to remember in that moment that Bible verse. Unless God gives you the, you know, grace to remember, you're not going to remember. When you are being tested or when you are off in some way, what you know of the scriptures is often not going to be available to you readily in your memory. That's why it's important to hide the word of God in your heart that you might not sin against him. Because if you just spent, now let's say one of you, you just spent the last three months reminding yourself of that verse like every other day. And you've been, you've got it written on the wall. You've got a sticky note. You've got, you know, home art on the wall that has that verse. And you see it every day when you wake up. Like, hey, there's like a picture of a boat and it says, 
you know, the word, your, your tongue is the rudder of the ship. Careful where you go. And, you know, make some kind of fun art. Make, make it beautiful. Oh, man. Everybody needs that reminder. Yeah. And so <laughs> let's say you create something beautiful and now you're selling uh, Christian art, which is beautiful home decor that also includes the word of God in it. And now you have these things hung in your house or let's say you're in college in a dorm and you're like, all I got is a Sharpie and sticky notes. Okay, great. Slap that thing on the mirror. Wake up in the morning with a reminder not to dress yourself with vanity uh, when you put on your nice clothes or when you get ready for school. Whatever it takes. It's, it's just a whatever it takes because this is a war. So let's say if you've been reminding yourself of that scripture and then you get a conviction or you get there's something highlighted to you and, and something's not quite right. You're not going in the right direction. If you've been spending time hiding that word in your heart, you're familiar with the scripture, it'll come to your mind because what you have in there, what you put in there, the Holy Spirit will remind you. So as you eat the word of God, that's in your storehouse of treasure when the treasure is the word of God. And so he himself will remind you of that in the river comes out and then, oh yeah. And he'll remind you of what Jesus said. And so it's refreshing your mind. And then he brings it up out of that treasure house that you've stored together with him. And so that's how you can keep from stumbling and keep from sinning in those ways that are familiar to people to constantly sin. Because in the moment, you're not going to remember that that's a sin most of the time, not until after the fact when you feel sorry or, you know, maybe just self-justification, whatever it is, if you hide the word of God in your heart, when the moment comes, that's actually the whisper. That river coming up, when he brings it to your memory, he said, I'll send you my Holy Spirit. He'll remind you of what I said. That's the gentle whisper, and that's the path of the scholar, honestly. That's the actual river. The path of the scholar is the river of life. But what happens is, we don't pay attention. What did we just read? It says we should pay all the more attention. So the more we learn, the more we need to pay attention because when we learn it, we're held, we're held accountable to it. So we better be paying attention because what's the point in learning these high, holy things? Now the angels expect, you know, they are expecting you to be held to that accountability because you've learned that. But then we pay, don't pay attention. We go back to an old way of thinking, an old way of speaking. We go into autopilot, right? You know, just coasting along. And that's often where the trouble comes, where you get into trouble. And now you're not hearing the whisper. So guess what? It's going to be a little tap, a little push, a little shove. Hey, things are going to start to get a little wonky. Oh, and then we blame others, right? I was, oh, we can't believe you. Oh. Well, guess what? Then you kind of get that. We call the proverbial two by four. I felt don't don't say that's not in the kingdom of heaven. I've gotten the two by four to the back of the head by the angels. It's a it's a mercy. It's compassionate. You know, they talk about those old uh, what are those old series that um, I think my mom used to watch. It was like, you know, touched by an angel. Yadivave scourges those uh -huh. he accepts as sons. I always I, we have a little joke running joke with the angels. It's a. Uh, if this was, if I had a series of certain seasons of my life, I was going to call it slapped by an angel. <laughs> I thought I'm grateful for it. But sometimes we need it. Amen. Hallelujah. We need it. We need the reminder. It's better to get the two by four to the back of the head of the angel. Like, hey, uh, I, you know, that is love. Before you get out of control into the kingdom of darkness. And now your governors are demons. Right. So it's preferable to have the increasing measure of anything the scourging. Anything from heaven is better than anything exactly. from hell. So whatever heaven has for us today, let it be our daily bread. <laughs> Amen. And what is, I, I can't remember the exact verse, but it's something along the lines of it's better the, to receive blows from a friend, like a like that, that uh, the pain of the truth from a friend than it is to have the multiple kisses, the multiplying kisses of an enemy. So... If you want someone speaking nice to you, it'll be a demon oftentimes. Once you're not listening to the whisper of the Holy Spirit, you're ignoring the increasing severities, blaming others, self-justification, self-righteousness. Eventually what's going to happen is a demon will come around, a dazzling demon of false light. You're right. You know what? You're right. <laughs> you know, tell you exactly what you want to hear. And then later on, once they've deluded you and pulled you out deeper than you can swim, 
That's when they turn on you and the demons that once dazzled you then begin to destroy you. A lot of times people get into that. They have demons, demons around them from self-justification and blaming others or reacting negatively to righteousness. And then when they come around and then they want to learn righteousness, all of a sudden those angels or that help or that anointing that they used to have turns on them and they wonder what happened why am i being attacked on all sides well you got into righteousness and the son of righteousness always exposes the demonic in our lives and since they can no longer dazzle you now they're going to try to destroy you so it's all the more important to pay attention to the teachings of righteousness so that you don't get destroyed by the dazzling demons that destroy your life the son of righteousness is a strong tower, right? The stronghold of righteousness can save you from the day of evil. And he is a mighty strong tower. So we must abide in him and his word in us. And then it's written that ask anything and I'll give that to you. Amen. Amen. That's so rich. I was feeling the bliss of the glory so strongly as you were talking. We have these treasures in jars of clay, and I have stored your word as treasure in my heart that I might not sin against you. How can a young man keep his way pure? By meditating on your word. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Listen, guys. The word, when it hatches in your hearts becomes the resurrection glory of eternal life. Here's the only issue any human being who believes in Jesus Christ has. They don't have enough reliance on the water of the word. Jesus Christ said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water for those who believed his words. The more words of Messiah, the scriptures, Torah, the prophets, all the inspired word of God, which is really 10 worlds of sapphire stones. What makes scripture scripture, if you understand every good and perfect gift comes down from the father of lights in whom there is no shadows. What is that good gift that comes down from the father? It's all the provision of God's word, whose name is Messiah, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That is the treasure in jars of clay. That is the provision of living water. That is the life. That is the, the light of life. That is the freedom. That is the prosperity. That is the healing. That is the glory. Yours is the kingdom and the power of the glory. What does it mean when it says yours is the kingdom and the power of the glory? Matthew 6, he's teaching them how to pray the word. So first and foremost, we must be listeners of the word and doers of the word. You will have to be obedient to the word of God before it hatches into the glory realm of God. What often people want is a microwave response where I want the blessing, I want the, the prosperity, I want the healing, I want the gift, I want the peace. Listen, you will first have to receive the word. You'll have to become a lover of the word, a truster of the word. We study and receive the word for the word's sake. The word is King of kings and Lord of lords. And then after you are faithful and obedient to the word, then it manifests the presence of his glory. That's when you begin to go from glory to glory, but you're still tested. Are you only in it for some kind of personal gain? What are the motivations and the intentions of your heart? The Bible says the word constantly judges them. So from the beginning of your first day believing in the Lord Jesus Christ to this present time, the word has been your judge and the word is your eternal life. How does a person go to heaven? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The reason why people have different diets, different hungers for righteousness, different thirsts for righteousness is because they don't understand the rewards of the word. The rewarding of the word is God the Father, your great reward. The Father's glory, the Father's presence, that person who made the heavens and the earth is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, studying to show yourself approved without shame, rightly dividing what? The word of truth. 
What does it mean to divide the word of truth? It means to get into the center, the kernel, the Shekinah of the word and understand that I'm studying the word so that God can take possession of me as his temple for his will and purposes. Therefore, he, he shares with me his name. John 17, I have sealed them and given them your name. Keep them in your name and I have given them the glory. So it's the name and the glory. The seal of the name shall be on their forehead. It is written in Revelation. There's no beast in the forehead. The animal soul is crucified. It's offered as a burnt sacrifice, living and holy and acceptable to God. Now the name of the Father instead of the name of the animal soul is written in the forehead. Why? Because they belong to him. Their minds renewed. Renewed to what? The water of the word. So he struck the, the rock or spoke to the rock and water gushed forth. That represents the response to hearing and believing the Holy Scriptures, which is like she read that verse from Second Peter 1.19, focusing on the word until the morning star rises in your heart, which is until that light, the Shekinah, begins to be birthed out of your rich treasury of glory. Christ in you, the treasure house of his word, and now the light, the morning star, is the glory of the word begins to radiate in your hearts. And from your hearts, it's shared right through the brain and the senses of the eyes, the ears, the nose, the mouth, the touch gates, and all of it begin to share in salvation. You begin to share in the light of salvation. What does the Bible say salvation is? A spectrum of light. Anyone that says otherwise doesn't study the Bible. The Bible says he is the light of salvation, the light to the Gentiles. Salvation is the morning star, which is the hatching of the word, the light of the water of the word. The water is light. It is radiant, sparkling, silver light. It is the crystal clear living water that what? Revelation 22, verse 1, sparkles. What are the sparks? It is the emanations of Shekinah pouring forth from Yadevave in heaven through his creation that receives and believes and obeys his word. Therefore, through that obedience, we share in the rewards of the container of the word, which is the glory of God, the Shekinah of God, the ore of God, the light of God, the radiance, the splendor, the Zohar of God, it is called in the Bible. Ezekiel chapter 1, like the appearance of the rainbow on a rainy day was the appearance of Yarevav's glory. It was the appearance of his Shekinah, that radiant Zohar Shekinah of the rainbow on a rainy day. It's the same picture of Messiah in Revelation chapter 4. There is a rainbow appearance around him. It's the radiance of the scriptures that we have believed and obeyed, therefore we have the promises of the word alive, active, and energized as what? The substance of Shekinah glory. And the greater the Shekinah, the greater the glory, the greater the light of life. The more you're alive, the more you have angelic intelligence, the lesser you resort to the animal soul's beastly reactions of the human being, which are sinful reactions, sinful thoughts, sinful ways, competition, envy, strife, jealousy, arguments, factions, divisions, sorceries, witchcraft, Galatians chapter 5, fruits of the flesh are obliterated, and all you're left with is the radiance of his rainbow Shekinah glory with the word working, and it's not just... The word working in its own power, it's you believing and obeying like a priest, a royal priest, which means you do the word. You understand how the word works with the angels, how the word works in reality in the path of lightnings, how God created the heavens and the earth with his word, and by his word all things are held together, it is written. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will remain forever. The word of God is the new heavens. The word of God is the new earth. How much of the Shekinah, radiant, rainbow, glory word of God do you have working in you? That's how much you are prepared for the future. That's how much you've invested in the eternal realms because it's all word-based. What do we have as an anchor for the soul? The Bible says one thing, the word. You have no other future. Anything that's not based on the words that have come down from God the Father written on sapphire stones. There's 10 worlds. And he created the heavens and he arranged them in order. That's written in Hebrews 1.3. He arranged the worlds in order. He made them with his word. Then he arranged them. The Bible says plural 
worlds. We know there are 10 worlds because it's written in First Enoch, that ancient scroll of Enoch. And now we're understanding the word in the sapphire stones. And that's the only thing that shall remain. We could say, are we preparing a new thing? No, it's the original thing without the curse of the fallen angels and the curse of the fallen human beings. Without leaving the garden, without leaving the trust in the glory of the word, we're going back into faith of that word. The sword of the Garden of Eden, that's the circling, flashing sword of the cherubim that guarded the gate of the Garden of Eden. That word is what's now working in us, sanctifying us, purifying us, consecrating us to do the works of the Father. What does it mean to be to a son to be a son of God? What does it mean to be a son of the Most High God? It means that all my ways are for the Father's throne. You need to ask yourself, is your life lived for you or for your Father in heaven? Any area that's not refined with angelic confirmations, as it's written, signs and wonders follow those who believe, which means the angels will tell you, while you see dimly as though a reflection in a mirror, if your works, your actions are pleasing to the Lord. He'll send prophets, he'll send messengers, he'll send apostles, teachers, evangelists, and pastors, the fivefold, to build you up into the perfection of the faith it is written. How are the confirmations confirming your works are pleasing the Father and his angels? See, that's what your life mission is. So that every area of your life is not vanity, vanity, chasing after the wind or uh, vain building, strange fire, building dead works. Unless the angels build the house, the laborers labor in vain. Unless the angels stand guard of the house, the guards stand guard in vain, it is written. Amen. Therefore, we need the angelic confirmations in all our building and in all our guarding. Notice how defensive people are against higher apostolic doctrine. I had people manifest demons on me every single day of ministry for the last 20 years. Been in full-time ministry almost 20 years now. And people will manifest because they have different guardians. Guardian angels love and rejoice in the heavenly apostolic commandment, in the prophetic word of Shekinah glory. But the human beings are often defensive. That's why it's written, unless the angels, the holy innocent angels, stand guard, we're standing guard in vain. We got to be careful that we're not guarding sandcastles, people. We got to be careful that we're not guarding something that God didn't even build, that God's not invested in. Remember, the Pharisees were guarding Herod's temple. They invested $40 billion. That's how much it costs. Do the study yourself. You can Google it. Ask Google, how much did Herod's temple cost in today's money? And it will tell you $40 billion U.S. dollars. And it took 40 years to build, 38 years, and you're going to tear it down and rebuild it in 30, three days. They mocked him. They were scorning the Messiah, saying, how dare you? And that was one of the reasons why they crucified him, because he was an enemy of their building. Why? Because they were guarding something that God did not build. Religion built that building. God did not build that building. Acts 7 says, you built that building for Molech and not Yadavave. That's what Stephen said with a glowing face, and you know he's telling the truth. He told the earthly Sanhedrin, your religion isn't even Judaism. You're not even Jews. That's what he said. And they began to weep and gnash their teeth. Well, take him outside, stone him to death. And they killed him. They murdered him, and they, they hung their prayer shawls at a man's feet named Saul, who later converted by the grace of the Lord Jesus to be the mighty apostle Paul of great grace. Amen. But the Bible says that all that building and guarding was of man's building. This is why people are so reactionary to the building of God's temple, which is above the sun. It's not a place you can go by human effort, but by faith alone, you resurrect and build the heavenly Jerusalem. Uh, that brings us to our picture of the day. We're talking about uh, going up Jacob's ladder. Walking up Jacob's ladder, what does that mean practically? If we can go to our picture here. You can learn more about this in the master class. But essentially, this is Jacob's ladder. This is the pattern. This is a lightning path of Enoch. right? And those scriptures that we read earlier about literally paying attention until the morning star rises in your heart. 
paying attention until the morning star rises. That was First Peter one nineteen. All of this makes us even more certain that what the prophet said is true. So you should pay close attention to their message as you would to a lamp. And this is the menorah lamp shining in some dark place. Second Peter one nineteen. You must keep on paying attention until daylight comes and the morning star rises in your heart. So this is Jacob's Ladder. This is the menorah lamp of the seven spirits of God. And what does it mean to walk up Jacob's Ladder? If you look at that first rung, that first picture at the bottom of Malkut, it's literally just the barrier of time and space between that first sapphire stone of Malkut, the kingdom of heaven within you. Now, if you listen to this uh, broadcast more than once and you go through a second time, when you go through the next time, you'll understand those scriptures that Brandon had read earlier. Visualize King David, his treasure in jars of clay, the treasure of David was Malkut, the kingdom, the messianic kingdom of Jesus Christ. That's the kingdom age coming forth will be the fruition of those prophecies. So what is that first step from Malkut to Yasad? You're literally walking up, like he said, by faith. It's a walk of faith. Traversing the Torah is Walking by faith and not by sight. You're walking beyond the barrier of time and space. Stepping into the eternal realm. And this is how you should pray, Jesus said. He's, he said in his prayer, yours is the kingdom, Malkut, and the power, Yasad, and the glory, Had, forever and ever. That's Netzach, eternity. Amen, which lands you into the Son of Righteousness. Amen. I got to share this with you because when I was preaching, I was getting caught up to look at the rainbow glory around King Messiah's throne. And this is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. I have thousands, but this one right now is just hitting me so hard. I got to share this with you. Ezekiel 1 verse 28 Like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness round about. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of yad heh God. And when I saw it, I fell upon my face, and I heard a voice of one speaking. Guys, this is normal reading of Scripture. Now, when I say that, this is how we engage in Torah. This is how we engage Jesus, the Word of God. The Torah of the Father is Jesus Christ Himself. The Messiah is the Torah. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Torah. The Torah was with Yarevave, and the Torah was Yarevave. That is exactly what it says. Therefore, understand what it means to engage in Torah. The religious devil does not want you to understand engaging in the Bible as looking into a rainbow of radiant glory. But if you can have that mindset without all the religiosity that tries to distract you from enjoying the glory of the Word, every time you read the Word, you'll light up like a light bulb. It becomes the very energy of life. It becomes the light inside your bones and marrow. We say, oh, this is the generation that overcomes death. Bob Jones has been preaching for 50 years before he passed in 2014 that they'd be young at 100. How is a generation going to conquer and overcome death? The Word made flesh. This inside your bones. That's it. It's not a super complicated thing. It's the Scriptures lived out and becoming your very DNA. The Bible is the DNA of God. That's written in First John. That you are born again of the God-spermed or God-genetic DNA, Word of God. 
And that is perfect because it's Jesus. Everything that's not the genetics of the Father in you is sin in you. That's what Scripture says. Anything that's not of faith is sin. That means anything that's not the living Word in our spirit, soul, mind, will, emotions, our 11 human systems of organs, and our 12th system of our spirit, of the 12 star design of the human being of Revelation 12. One, there's a woman wearing a crown of 12 stars. It is written, that is the perfect soul of the original design of having the 11 human organ systems working perfectly, eternally, with no death, no disease, no aging. Truth, anyhow. And the 12th system is the spirit system that science really can't understand yet, but we're going into spiritual science to mm -hmm. begin to understand these things. I do think science will eventually catch up as you, be, as you, our listeners, begin to walk in this and pioneer this for your generation. You know, we're going ahead and pioneering it for you, but you're going to go ahead of your generation and pioneer it for them. That's why your notes, when you rise in righteousness and you begin to receive circumcisions, your personal notes on what you've gone through, what you've learned, what you, you know, maybe you made a mistake or a correction uh, to the mistake or, you know, even the physical phenomenon that happens when you begin to walk in this. What we're finding is there's such an interesting uh, synchronicity between the people who are rising. They experience those similar things happening. And as we're getting into some of those higher rungs, we're finding a really incredible physical phenomenon happening. And when you have one and then you have two witnesses of righteousness, of physical, um, physical and spiritual things happening, that's when you begin to have a set of data. So we're hoping, you know, in the future... I recommend for those of you who are planning on going the whole way, once you get to about, I would say, you're making your way well through the world of Yetzirah as you traverse the Torah, as you receive the cosmic circumcisions. Uh, I recommend getting a uh, wearable uh, to have on your body, like a, I use, you know, like it's something that can track your heart rate. Uh, this one I have tracks your blood oxygen. I believe some people have, you know, you know, there's Apple Watches, there's Fitbits, there's just the market is totally saturated from anything from high end to generic on Amazon. And there's so many that work great. Just something that can kind of track what's going on with your physical body. And I think you'll find it's interesting. The higher you go up, there are specific markers where the phenomenon is physical and it's measurable. And it's specific increase of certain data. So I think that'll be interesting the more of you go up. Pay attention to those physical things because, hey, this is a great science experiment of the Lord Jesus Christ. As you go up, things are going to be changing and you'll notice that as well. And if we can come here, we were talking about this being a strong tower. I can take a look here. We're talking about walking up the Sephiroth. We mentioned about the Lord being a strong tower. What does that mean? It literally means the sapphire stone body that's mentioned in the book of Lamentations of the Princes of Zion. If the sapphire stone body is mentioned of the princes of Zion, that is based off of the blueprint of the sapphire stone body of Christ. I want to tell you a mystery. The door to the cosmos is the door of Enoch, right? Enoch's door. The, Amen. the way back home to the Father, the lightning path that he spoke of through Enoch's door, that's the door to the cosmos. The door to the cosmos is what the sapphire stones, the sapphire stones are the body of Christ, literally. The invisible, physical, in the realm of faith. It's his body. Now, why then do things change once you complete the Sephirah, again, we talked about you go up seven worlds to the world of Absolute, and then the pavement ends, and there's another door just like there was at the beginning of this journey of Enoch's door. The door to the multiverse. The colors change. Everything is different. It's a much greater glory. It's a much greater 
righteousness, those realms have much greater enemies. What are those realms? We talked about the sapphire stones on the one side being the body of Christ. And on the other side, we talked about the body of Satan. So as you come out of this, the uncircumcision, right, in the book of Genesis, God describes the kingdom of Satan being the dust of the earth. And we've already established that that dust of the earth is the uncircumcision of the foreskins around that sapphire stone uh, body, that design that you are made in the image and the likeness of God. That's written in the Bible. You're made in his image and his so likeness. Good. Amen. So you're literally, by getting circumcised, you are divorcing Satan, which means what? You are no longer part of his body. To be married to Christ, Jesus, is to be a part of his body. I'm going to say that again. To be married to Jesus Christ is to be a part, one with him, his sapphire stone body. So to be married to Christ, you are progressively divorcing the kingdom of Satan. You're literally divorcing the body of Satan. And what is his false kingdom? It's built on what? The dust of the earth, the sin of the flesh realm, the fleshly realm. We talk about that in the world of Adam Cadmon. You have Adam Cadmon, the primordial man. And then on the other side, what did we see? We had Adam Belial, right? the body of lies of the father of lies. So the sapphire stones fully circumcised, that's how you're going to be connected to the Shekinah of Jesus Christ because where there is no covering up of the light on the inside, the removal of that sin, that sin nature, that sin pattern, that is when the light shines through you don't, no one takes that lamp and hides it under a bushel. No, you're going to let your light shine. What is that light? Your connection with Shekinah. The light bulb doesn't come on until you plug in the lamp into the electrical socket. How do you know it's working? The light bulb comes on, amen? The light on the inside illuminates and chases away the darkness of fears. Right? Fear is darkness. Anxiety is darkness. All of those human stresses, all of those human fallen angel feelings are darkness. So when the light shines and obliterates the darkness, you begin to experience the emotions of Jesus Christ himself that he imparts to you simply by being one with him. He is a strong tower. And I'll tell you this mystery, the sapphire stones are the body of Christ. That's the world of the cosmos. But the multiverse, that is the soul of Jesus Christ. And that is why you see it when you go there as his heart. You're traversing the heart of Torah. The heart, that's the soul. So you become one with his body, and then you join heart to heart with Messiah. It's soulmate of God, the bride of Christ, knitting together your hearts in love to love him with all your cos cosmic heart hearts knit together fully healed in heart the multiverse you're traversing the heart of messiah the sapphire stones you traverse the body of christ and now you're walking through his heart until your heart becomes as his heart. And what about when you get to the, the top of the multiverse? You make it through world 10. And you begin to go beyond. Into, what is that world, that realm of infinity? In which there is no more, which says sin is no more, is mentioned no more. After the 10 weeks of righteousness being established on the earth in the book of Enoch. When you go into those realms of Ein, you go through the Ein Sof or the Ein, Ein Sof and Ein 
that infinity, 11 weeks and beyond, that is when you begin to traverse the Torah as the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So you traverse, that's the body of Christ, world, seven worlds of his body, of cosmic sapphire stones. Book of Lamentations, the sapphire stone bodies of the princes of Zion. You traverse his heart in the multiverse, and you traverse his spirit through the realms of eternity. And his spirit, he talks about pouring out his spirit without measure. That is the source of where he pours out his spirit without measure. That's why it goes on and on for eternity of eternities, ages upon ages. It's literally without end because his spirit is endless love glorious holy merciful one the zadik the righteous one jesus christ imparting to you his righteous nature to turn us from hunter into a righteous one the zadi i will just show you this the ancient pictograph for the letter zadi is a picture of a trail leading up to a destination or stronghold. The word, the word sad means side and is also related to the idea of a stronghold. The righteous run to it and are saved. And uh, when the ninth world, when I got to Yasad, to the moon, I saw this letter as a living creature resting in that place of the of the moon in the soul of Jesus Christ the soul of the Torah and there you'll see the letters themselves as the living creatures the name of Yad Vavhe is a strong tower it says the name is actually Shem the Shem of Yad Vavhe is Oz Migdal is the strong tower, the strength. Right? We believe in the Oz, the strength of Torah. Shem means the name. I believe that's why when people, some scholars attribute Shem to being Melchizedek, I believe Jesus Christ is Melchizedek, and Shem was able to be a partaker of that divine nature through training of Old Covenant righteousness. And so that's why his name, sometimes you'll see in certain research, when they attribute that to Shem, it just means the name. His name means the name. The differentiation is in the vowel points, which we'll learn about that some other time. But the name of Yadhe Vavhe is a strong tower. Strength might a tower or a bed of flowers. Amen. Some of you just need to soak in a bed of flowers. That's what I needed today. It was really glorious, really wonderful. Resting in him. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower. This was Genesis 11, 4. This is on that word migdal. Same use, but a different tower. So what does that tell us? Remember the sword of God, the living word, is a double-edged sword. So you'll learn about the kingdom of righteousness, and you'll learn about that word and how the kingdom of darkness uses it. Build ourselves a city and a tower. And the top is in the heavens, and let us make a Shem, a name for ourselves. Right, That's their version of the priesthood of Melchizedek, which is a satanic form. For ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the earth. So what do we learn from that? It's either the Tower of Babylon, Tower of Babel, or the Tower of Righteousness. But what is the truth here on the Tower of Righteousness? The righteous run to it and are safe. So I want to encourage you, run to it. Don't just sit and think about it. Study, but study to show yourself approved. The Zadik runs to it and is safe. Third person, masculine, singular. The Zadik runs to it and is safe. This is the generation of the Zadikim. Who are the Zadikim? Those who run to the body of Christ, his sapphire stone body, and are safe. So find safety find shelter he is a strong tower and the name Shem means name renown 
firstborn son of Noah, but it can also mean fame, reputation, identity, personality. All personality outside of the Shem of Torah is a personality of the other side. So let all fame, reputation, identity, and personality be rectified, be glorified in the sapphire stone body of Jesus Christ, the name, the Shem of yad heh vav heh So be a righteous one, run to it. He is a strong tower, and he will protect you. Amen. Oh, it's beautiful. Become one of the Zadokim. It's the greatest call, the highest calling, to the mark of the high calling of Christ Jesus, to become righteous ones, scholars, students of the living Torah on sapphire stones and through the heart of Messiah, the multiverse. Amen. Bless you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Hey guys, Brandon Barthrop here. What's up? I'm stoked to be with you here today, talking about something that's close to our hearts, the incredible mission of RLM TV Florida. We're not just talking about any old TV station. We're talking about a movement, a vibe, a platform that's set to change the whole game for the kingdom of God. Now, I know we're all about technology trends and making a difference in our own unique way. Well, guess what? RLM TV is all about that too. And we're on the brink of something massive. We're here to talk about acquiring a broadcasting facility right here in the heart of Florida. And trust me, it's a game changer. So why Florida, you ask? Think about it. Sunshine, diversity, and a vibe that reaches across borders. It's the perfect spot to amplify the message of the apostles to every corner of the globe. And we want you to be a part of making it happen. Now let's dive into some real talk. The Bible has some timeless wisdom, and yet it's not just for our grandparents. Check out Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Why? When you invest in something bigger than yourself, blessings will follow. And then there's the gem from Jesus Christ in Luke 6, 38. He says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It's like the original law of attraction. Give generously and watch the good stuff roll your way. Malachi 3, 10 and 11 is like the OG financial challenge from God himself. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Put me to the test. Open the windows of heaven for you. God's basically saying, try me and watch the blessings overflow. So what's the deal with supporting RLM TV? It's not just about money. It's about being a part of a movement that's changing lives. We're all about authenticity, making a difference using our influence for good. Supporting RLM TV is about spreading love, truth, and hope through the airwaves. Imagine being a part of a generation that's making a real and lasting impact. This is your chance, whether it's a small donation, a social media shout-out, or even just sharing the vision with your crew. Every bit counts. Let's be the generation that takes the timeless truths of the Bible and uses them to make a difference in the digital age. Let's make this broadcasting facility in Florida a reality, and let's do it together. So are you in? Let's make some waves for the kingdom. Thank you, and big love to everyone ready to make a difference. Amen.